0: So this week on the Decarb Connect podcast, we're going to take a look at the EIC, which for those of you who don't know, is a 10 billion euro fund that was first uh, piloted in 2014 and is now aiming to kind of uh, get to more scale. I'm joined today by Louis papa emmanuel who's the Managing Director of MyEU Consulting. And Louis is going to tell us a little bit about the nature of this fund, but also I think dig into some of the criticisms and challenges that have emerged for the fund recently and sort of talk about what they mean for those that might otherwise seek to benefit from the fund. So, Louis, that's a little bit of an introduction. I wonder if you could give a bit more background to to you, your background and how you've arrived at this point of advising in this space but also just kick us off with um, a little bit about the EIC.
1: Thanks, hi. Um, yeah, I'm basically we are uh, a consultancy uh, focusing on EU uh, grant funding. We, we, uh, we are servicing innovative small businesses uh, and are uh, particularly focused on deep tech innovations uh, that are solving substantial scientific or engineering challenges. Uh, we support them in fundraising, using both equity and non dilutive VU funding instruments, uh, as well as, you know, uh, innovation calls. We specialize in a range of them, of course, but as you mentioned, more particularly on the EAC accelerator, <clears throat> which is uh, uh, aiming to invest over 10 billion euro uh, in the next seven years to scale uh, European big tech. So that's that's what we do. We are based in Brussels. We, we work with innovation, with c- customers across all of. All of the EU and beyond, uh, with the president also in Israel and uh, occasionally in other in other uh, non-EU countries, and we are we have become fairly specialized in, in this particular domain. So I think we will obviously talk about that. So what's the EAC and what's its current status? I mean, the EAC, as you as you mentioned, under Horizon Europe uh, today is in fact the successor of what the SME instrument. Uh, and then the EAC pilot was under Horizon 2020, which was the framework program uh, of the past seven years, which ended in December. It is widely regarded as the holy grail of funding instruments for startups. Uh, It's probably one of the most, uh, I mean, the largest uh, competition globally uh, and offers up to two and a half million euro per candidate in grant funding, specifically for innovation activities, so R&D development, and and piloting and so on Uh, and then that is complemented as well by up to 15 million euro in equity provided in partnership with the european investment fund and the european investment bank in equity to fund scaling up slash commercial activities the objective here is really to fund frontier technologies with significant transformational impact so we're really talking about about technologies that have a massive impact on 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 the industry in which they they are. uh, designed and developed in they have uh, often significant benefits for society and for uh, the world so we, you you will tend to see a lot a lot of a lot of companies that are working on on extremely complex engineering uh, challenges and uh, often in, in in scientific laterals or sectors so you, know, you often see biotechnology as you know a recurring theme you have obviously a lot lot of proposals that are basically targeting, or at least have a a significant relevance to the Green Deal uh, and and to the uh, sustainability agenda of the EU.
0: Obviously this fund is not only aimed at environmental uh, innovations. But you were saying that roughly kind of half of the financing is going to to those solutions with a, an environmental focus. Is that, does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a wrong uh, assumption to have. Of course, I have to be very transparent. I haven't necessarily verified uh, specifically the, the exact uh, number, nor that I think it would be very, very simple to do. But uh, you have the two, the two greatest categories traditionally within this call, uh, within this competition is on the one hand healthcare which is obviously very very relevant because we are we are obviously also tackling you know extremely important issues and of course the impact is very easily seen now uh, we're talking about people uh, who are sick or you know who are dying so obviously that's one major category if, if not probably the, the largest category because this is also an extremely expensive endeavor usually with the validation of clinical validation of, of, of different technologies. But then on the other hand, when it isn't, uh, we tend to uh, have solutions that have at least one or, or more environmental dimensions. So even if they are, it's not necessarily the key uh, component, I'm going to give you an example. If we are talking, for instance, about a technology that has to do with aquaculture, it may not necessarily have uh, direct implications for the environment by by but by adding efficiency to the process obviously you are minimizing the use of resources which ultimately have an impact so even though it wouldn't be categorized as a as a green deal proposal it obviously has a dimension that has to do with the environment
0: the kind of the key takeaway already is just about the scale of this fund really and uh, kind of requoting you that it's the largest competition globally. And I, I guess inevitably that means there will be elements of it that are amazing and bang on fit for purpose. And there'll also be things that perhaps in the real world, as the fund has gone through its pilot, have been less successful or more challenging to see implemented in the right way. So give us a sense of how is and how has the EIC evolved. Um, we're heading for I think I think you mentioned that it was a March 18th launch for this kind of the real next at-scale phase, but tell us how it's evolved so far.
1: Well, um, well, basically, I mean, uh, it, it, is, it, it has been piloted for the last seven years. When you take the, I mean, the, the, the objective, the objective, because I think that's probably the most important element here, is what is supposed to be funding. And, uh, and, and as, as the, the years progressed, you could, uh, you noticed that there was basically a, a strong uh, transformation of the EAC Which, uh, over time, as the competition became more and more fierce uh, between candidates, you would have, uh, it would generate better better proposals and obviously a lot more sophisticated solutions. There was a time back in 2015, 2016, where you would submit an application and there were not that many candidates. So with a a mark of, you know, 12.3 out of 15, you will get funded today if you have a 12.16 out of 15 you are uh, you know uh, extremely far from even considering uh, considered to be funded you need to have at least a 14 point something uh, so obviously there's that uh, so it obviously that has transformed a bit the way the way that the uh, EIC uh, operates and, and of course as the funding uh, has been I mean as the funding grew as the the, the stakeholders became more uh, interested and obviously this being the crown jewel of the commission there's a lot of interest around it so obviously it has become a lot more sophisticated in in many aspects so today uh as opposed to back back uh, at at, uh, the time of its inception where you could fund a lot more different types of uh of startups today we see really that it has really been uh focused on on really funding what i i like to call frontier technology uh that are characterized or basically that are very hard to develop, that require, you know, very lengthy R&D processes and very large capital investments before succeeding, uh, or at least before being commercialized. Um, The the primary risk for these companies, and this is probably the intent, uh, was that um, uh, the technical risk is fairly, fairly high, right? So while the market risk can often be overlooked due to the potential value of the solution because you know if it makes it it would be obviously disrupting so you know we often people question that less but the uh, the burden or the risks or the challenges that these companies faced uh, at uh, the to fundraise basically in fundraising efforts is disproportionately high than other uh, i would say more uh, uh, easy to develop solutions uh, and as and, and due to the risk involved and the capital required, obviously, especially because you can if you consider the VC the investment of VC capital in Europe compared to other other regions of the world, uh, these these companies are often you know for the strategic for the strategic significance they have, they have basically decided to be supported by the Commission. So that's basically the starting point. That's where it is today. Uh, now, uh, as uh, as it has evolved. Uh, and like I said before, and it's a very highly, highly coveted, coveted uh, uh, instrument or competition. Obviously, uh, there are things that have uh, proven to be, uh, you know, I mean, ill-adapted for 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 how it has evolved. Huh? So I mean, I give I give you a bit. first. Of all, first of all, it's it's an extremely highly competitive uh, uh, competition. I mean, the, the number of applicants today, and probably that's the first inefficiency of the system. The number of applicants has continuously uh, increased uh, at every cutoff. Uh, So um, as a consequence, during the course of the program, there's been a continuous drop in success rates. And I've seen that we've gone, for instance, in October 19, to a 4% success rate, which is already fairly low, uh, to a less than 1% in October 2020. That's just in one year. Uh, because I mean, there were 4,200 4, applicants in October for maybe 30 companies to, uh, that were funded. So of course, these inefficiencies, I mean, you know, in, in the, in, in the configuration, the 2018, 2020 configuration of the EIC, you know, it's not uncommon to hear that, you know, the EIC has kind of fallen victim to its own success and that the procedures that were basically uh, devised uh, earlier uh, to to be able to manage this, instrument have obviously been uh, become outdated and, and irrelevant uh, one one example is obviously that i mean, since we're talking about oversubscription, uh, so the fact that there are too many applicants for for the for the not only for the funding available but also for the evaluation architecture of that instrument the requirement is to evaluate all of these applications in less than four weeks uh, so that's like uh, extremely, extremely difficult to do Spurred doubts over the quality of the process uh and often led to many saying that this is a lottery i wouldn't say it is because a good proposal is a good proposal but of course we've seen we've seen proposals that have fluctuated drastically in 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 in, uh in their score from one submission to the other even though there hasn't been any any change in the proposal and that's not necessarily Illogical. Huh? It's something that obviously is natural. It's other evaluators who evaluate it, so it's natural that others have a different perception. But there's been a lot of fluctuation, and there's obviously a doubt about the ability of the commission under this framework to really pick the the best ones.
0: Let Let's talk just a little bit about that that pilot phase, which I, I mean I find it fascinating. That was as long as it was, and I'm interested in in why why would why do you think that pilot phase has lasted so long was that needed and then and then let's have a look at then what what changes are coming as a result of that period of time in that kind of test and and launch phase
1: well I mean to start with the pilot the pilot the pilot term is confusing and misleading because I mean you know I don't think that you know seven years is actually uh, what you know what you call a pilot so uh, as long as you accept that uh, in, in, in this case if you accept that there will be uh, as many transformation as as needed within those seven years, which is why you maintain the, the keyword pilot, fine, uh, and this is basically in practice what has happened now. Because in the beginning, when it got, when it was called the SME instrument, there was no equity, and so at the time, Bern Reckard, who was basically the the first director of the you what know, of the SME instrument. Uh, there was no conversation at all about about uh, equity-based investments and so on. All of this came much later. Uh, that's that's you know, in this case, it's natural to see that there is an evolution. And therefore, it's but, but to be quite fair with you, to be quite honest, uh, we reach now Horizon Europe, and in Horizon Europe, we are actually uh, still ch- changing everything. So, so we are again piloting new concepts. Of governance and new concepts of evaluation and new concepts of selection processes uh, and even of investment guidelines. So, you know, I think that we should we should maybe uh, accept that this will be an evolving exercise. Uh, so, an evolving uh, program that has that will be uh, and pe- perhaps maybe rightly so that will that will need to be um, uh, flexible and remain very flexible to adapt to the realities of of, of, of today. Uh, but you know, uh, you know the whole the whole concept of of the piloting is something that needs to be taken like uh, like we say with a pinch of salt because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't I don't really think that it was really strategically considered as a pilot versus versus now, uh, you know, even though it has obviously received three three times more funding, uh, I, I don't think that uh, I think we will continue to have change over the course of the next seven years.
0: So so then what what next? What what are you seeing emerge? In the kind of the way that either the structure of the fund or how the fund uh, tackles the applicants and then that process what what is changing what's important for both, I suppose, those that might be applying for funds, you know what's important for them to understand and what's also important for us as well you now as (laughs) European taxpayers to to understand about about this fund as it as it matures.
1: So that's a good question there's two things that we need to i mean i think that there, there, there are two deb- two debates two discussions here there is one what are the new rules for the candidates huh? so what to expect so the the commission indeed has transformed you know a lot of the a lot of the process which is something that obviously is is not yet public because the the, the program has not been public publicized yet it will be published in uh, in in march 18th because they're doing the EIC is actually uh, doing their launch event, so we we invite you, uh, obviously, whoever is interested to to hear more firsthand. Uh, obviously, the the, the 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 event that they do online will will present how the new rules work. We have been fortunate enough to have seen the rules already starting uh, this summer, and we have been um, together with my colleagues uh from the european association of innovation consultants uh managed to you know uh get into a process of providing feedback and, and and taking positions on these uh to to try to protect and defend the interest of our customers as much as possible so for that i mean uh you know there there are some procedural changes which I'm not going to go into um, because I don't think that it's necessarily very. I mean, it's it's fairly going to be it's going to be fairly in, in, in simple to understand. But then there's a second element, which is also the non-written rules of the EAC, because it's true that we have seen some conflict uh, and some reversal opposition. You know, some call it even a doctrine uh, internally uh, about what is what was the instrument supposed to do. And in practice, what it's doing today. So we've seen, indeed, you know, because I mean, if if this if this instrument was there to fund those companies that had difficulty in securing uh, funding through VCs or that didn't have necessarily the the I would say the deposit uh, the or at least you know acceptable term sheets, uh, we have, uh, and 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 in this case, the Commission would step in as a benevolent. Uh, uh investor to actually make sure that they get supported uh, w- even if they couldn't crowd in funding from uh, from outside investors um we have actually seen in, in practice that uh, uh the vc community has been extremely successful as, as at i would say influencing uh the the position of the of the european commission and today has uh some, somehow managed to make the vc Uh, community, uh, you know, uh, unexpendable, if you want, in the process. So uh, today, you know, uh, even though candidates have had to go through considerable lengths to demonstrate that they were not in a position to raise funding, suddenly uh, the terms that they have seen uh, from the commission were very different than the stated investment guidelines because now they basically uh, tell them that uh, they will not see a penny from the Commission unless they can match that uh, with private equity. So, you know, that's one thing. Of course, this change of process uh, is um, something that also has created a lot of delays, huh? because I think that today we have a lot of companies, and I mean, as as much as we, we, we support the Commission in, 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 in rolling out the EAC, we've also seen, that they uh, have um, uh, delayed the, the uh, providing the terms. To give you an example, there are many companies from October that have that have been that have been waiting since October 19. Uh, so we're talking about more than a year ago, and who uh, are still uh, in the process of signing the terms uh, today. So you know, in in the fast-paced movement uh, world of 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 uh, you know equity and uh, startups. Uh, a year and a half to, to close around, uh, is very complex and very long, uh, and there has there have been quite some reports uh, suggesting suggesting that some of them actually are, are, were we had to scale down or were even on the verge of backwards. Um So that's that's something we need to be attentive to. Again, you know, um, we 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 should not necessarily always we should we should we should keep this in mind. Of course, the EAC is a very important. Uh, uh program and i'm sure that over time with with appropriate uh, communication mechanism and and feedback mechanisms hopefully all stakeholders will be able to actually uh, contribute to actually establishing uh, establishing the the ESC as something that will you know continue to be as successful as it is
0: okay so the kind of the main the main criticisms then or the main challenges are really around this issue of the kind of speed of response or so the t- time it's taking um, which, as you rightly point out, if it's a year and a half, I mean that's like eight years in a life of a, <laughs> in a of a small scale business, isn't it? Um, so that the time it's taking to to secure and finalise funds, the shift in who is influencing how that overall fund operates, and those are the the main kind of points of concern at the moment. I, I'm just asking because the next question is really going to be what what do applicants need to know about this, and how can they prepare for the best outcome? So I think that kind of just quite, just ensuring that I've understood those are the two main points, or was there a another one that is something that candidates also applicants sorry need to know?
1: Yes, I think applicants need to be first of all applicants need to be prepared. Uh, I mean, this is not uh, this if if we are talking about raising, you know, what could be upwards of ten million euro uh, with or without the grant component within uh, that uh, that uh, amount uh they need to be aware that we are talking about a significant effort uh, that uh, requires you to be you know uh, fully aware of of your uh of whether or not you fit the profile first of all because i think a major issue where we had we ended up with four and a half thousand applicants in october is also because beyond the fact that they could endlessly resubmit the, the proposal no one ever told them that they basically are not uh they don't fit with what the commission intends to fund to begin with and i think that's something that obviously now will be corrected because they will institute a first step where there is a filtering mechanism where you know it's a short application that kind of gives you very quickly whether or not this is for you or not uh i mean we are uh from a procedural perspective you know in 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 in, on in the old rules at least in the old procedures you you should you should have expected that you know a, a proposal to be funded would require on average anywhere between 150 and 250 productive hours so it's not something that is light uh the 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 uh, the profile of the candidate is uh you know fairly standard in my opinion you know we're talking about a company that obviously has a, some as uh, is is working in deep tech this is this is, is is not a preparation that is dissimilar to any round right so i mean Think about it as an investor memo. If you have a project that fits, if you're at the right time, if you have the validation points that are required uh, to, to to be a, an eligible candidate, uh, you know you also have to con- to consider you know and usually companies that have raised already three or four million euro uh, uh, have already that mindset. Uh, they already have a team of competent people. VCs when they when they are VC backed have already you know. Uh, have already confronted them to hard questions that they've had to think about and resolve, so we are talking about a, 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 a technology and a business plan that is mature, at least more mature than it would have been in earlier stages, and where you know there is a confidence uh, both in execution of, of and, and reaching the market but also in the in the skill and the talent that you have in house. Of course, you know we, uh, the, the the requirement of non bankability and so on has again to be taken with a pinch of salt because this, even though it was stated that these companies, uh, you know, when when they were, because I mean, there's confusion, huh? when you have raised 5 million euro, but you're dealing with a clinical validation uh, uh, milestone in, in a few years, obviously that's not gonna take you anywhere. So, you know, we have to also keep in mind that it's not because you've raised 10, 15 million euro that you are, that you become ineligible, especially since now you will probably be fast-tracked uh, since the the EAC prefers to fund those who can actually crowd in private investments at, at, at the same time, so you know that's 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 I think the thing the the takeaway from from this. Even though it's ten- tempting to think that you know you should get out of your way to get the EAC, the EAC is something that is an extremely high risk endeavor, and should never be the, the first the first priority or the objective one. Of your company it's something that is on the side of course if, if you decide to jump on board you have to be committed to work hard together with your consultant because the consultant is not there to you know uh, invent everything uh, and ultimately I think what's what matters is that you keep an open mind that you know this is a high risk um, adventure that you know you need to set yourself a target to win and and work towards that goal But that ultimately you shouldn't necessarily, you know, get completely out of your own way, because if you don't fit with it, you know, there's little thing, there's little you can do about it.
0: Let's take a step back from the EIC. And rather than looking at that specifically, I'm interested in your thoughts. You know, the the EIC is trying to answer fundamental questions, right? As you said, the, the intent is to help to fund those technologies that ultimately could have a very big impact, but have a long road to kind of prove uh, what they're capable of. Um, but if you're looking at innovations in the innovation landscape, what, what is it that you think is needed to support the scale up of good innovations so that they get to that commercial scale? Obviously, EIC is trying to approach this from one angle. And as you say, it's a, you know, a big bet on whether you would get accepted and, and move through. So what, what do we need to be doing in addition to make sure that good innovations can scale?
1: We should keep in mind that Europe is very good at innovating. Huh? Like Europe is, uh, is leading in terms of uh, scientific publications or patents and so on. The, the only problem is that uh, until quite recently, there was a discrepancy between, between that and their ability to reach the market. I think this has transformed totally in the past years in Europe, the the European landscape in Europe, I'm very optimistic about it because in, in, a, in a matter of uh, as little as five years, it has completely changed, right? There's no one today that doesn't have someone very close to them that hasn't founded or working in a startup uh, to begin with. Huh? So I think that, you know, that's the first thing. I think that the VCL, I mean, the, the support structure, both at the local, at the regional, at the national, but, and, and at the European level have multiplied and will continue to be uh, reinforced with experience, with more capital injections, and so on. So there is a big support system, and I think that ecosystems are actually being well created. Maybe not as as sophisticated and advanced as they can be in other regions, but there is certainly a lot of hubs where innovation, uh, you know, and, and the interaction of different, different, uh, uh, I would say, stakeholder groups. Um, both from the funding world, but also from the scientific world, uh, et cetera, et cetera, are multiplying and and are growing. So I'm very optimistic. Now, uh, the conversation about the European unicorns and so on, I have to admit, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get in in that because I don't necessarily understand the concept of chasing the unicorns. But but, uh, I believe that, you know, uh, right now, all the trends point towards uh, year by year a significant strengthening of that, uh, of that ecosystem. And I'm I'm very optimistic that actually very rapidly, there will be no conversation anymore about what Europe needs to do to become better at this.
0: Okay, great. Well, look, Louis, thank you so much for talking to us. I know I, we've sort of focused obviously on some of the challenges and deficiencies of the ec but but let's come back to the point that you made at the beginning that it is still the holy grail of funding instruments you know it's a massive competition a massive opportunity for the right companies the right companies with the right support
1: we we have to support uh, i think the commission and it's and it's and it's remarkable effort to to do this is the commission has stepped uh, way outside of its comfort zone so it's natural to see that there's a lot of you know uh, conflicts and that they may not be necessarily the, the processes and the and the structures from a transparency, but also from a procedure, from from a decision-making point of view. Uh, yet, so you know, we have to also bear that in mind. I, I applaud the, the initiative. I think it's very you know very bold to see that uh, that uh, the Commission can assume that role and do it with conviction. Uh, so, you know, that's the first thing. And of course, you know. Uh, for any questions. Uh, I, I invite anyone to just reach out and be happy to provide more information.
0: Great. We'll make sure we um, share some links. So for those of you who access our podcast through our website um, and through Spotify, you'll see a bit more about um, some of the link information in there too. But again, Louis, thanks so much for joining us. Much appreciated.
1: Thank you very much, Alex.